everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. Week 2, Sunday in the books. Excited for another Super Friends show. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review or rating. If you leave a five-star rating, we're trying to get to a 1,000 there. If you leave a five-star review... Uh, we're trying to get to like 500 there. You guys did a great job responding the last time we asked for them. All of your reviews are uh, incredibly helpful. Um, somebody had a great idea for what we should do for the next one, I, and now I'm forgetting what it was, but I'll think of it in a minute. Um, anyway, uh, joining me on this program, Ryan Wilson, looking dapper as always, excited about life and the Steelers. And everything in general, we will get to that because Ben Roethlisberger may have a serious injury or maybe not a serious injury. Who knows? Uh, what's up, Ryan? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. That little giggle you heard was our tiny little robot friend, Sean Wagner, fresh back from uh, eating cookies in a press box. What's going on, buddy? Just for the record, since you said the word giggle, I just want to make it clear for the reviewers who aren't sure who is giggling like a little girl. It's not me. It's actually Breach. Um, I don't think I giggled there. It was more kind of like a, a scoff or I don't know, but I wouldn't call it a giggle. Only one person has giggled like a girl on this podcast so far, and it is you, Sean. It is one girl giggle to zero for today. You just got dunked on, Sean. Boom. Uh, you got dunked on. Moving along. And that's John Breach, of course. I'm trying to find somebody had a great idea for a bet to do on the podcast. I've just lost it. I had it a second ago. Anyway, let's dive into the games. First things first. Woo, the Pittsburgh Steelers cost me a bunch of moolah. But more importantly, they lost the game to the Seahawks in Pittsburgh. And it sounds like, Ryan, we could be staring down a serious Elbow injury for Ben Roethlisberger, your man's uh, my MVP pick for the year. Remember, I picked the Steelers to go to the Super Bowl. You're welcome. Cursed. What do you think? Um, he uh, he was spotted grabbing his elbow in the first half in a way that if he were a baseball pitcher, you would send him to see Dr. James Andrews and he'd be having Tommy John surgery. Uh, what's your uh, what's your panic? And he didn't play in the second half. Mason Rudolph came to uh, you know tried to tried to get the warm the cockles of Chris Trapasso's heart. But uh, he could not save the day, unfortunately. What is your panic level on a scale of 1 to 10, Ryan, about this 2019 Steelers season that features a busted-up Ben and an 0-2 start? Well, it's probably fitting that as people are listening to this, I'll be getting a new toilet delivered to my house because that <laughs> seems to go right in line with the Steelers' season to date. Uh, as it happens, I, I broke the toilet last Thursday, and perhaps maybe that's when Big Ben first hurt his elbow. We don't know. Would you, but, uh, would you care to uh... – Absolutely. I would love to tell you how I broke the toilet. Not in the conventional sense. Is this a uh, Dr. Emmett Brown type of situation from Back to the Future where you're like working on a flux capacitor and fell off and, and like broke the toilet? Because that would be awesome. So we had to replace the flooring in our in our downstairs bathroom in our mansion and got it replaced. The plumber came over and I said, you know what? I'll be a good guy and I'll move the toilet that had to be taken out of there back outside of the bathroom so he won't have to move so far. It's heavy. By moving it like a moron, I broke it because there's a way you're supposed to move toilets. So he came over and said, hey, moron, you broke the toilet. Had to order a new one. It's coming uh, along with Big Ben's elbow on Monday, and hopefully I'll be able to use the bathroom once again in my house very soon. Uh, in terms of the Steelers, I will say this. I was – I mean, we've seen Roethlisberger get hurt throughout his 15-year career, wherever he's at now. And typically what happens is he, he's a drama king about it. He'll go out for a few plays. They'll put him in the blue tent or take him into the locker room, and he'll come back. 
trying to make it his Willis Reed moment and be fine. Well, he he grabbed his elbow, as you pointed out, at the end of the second quarter. He did not come back. He's still on the sidelines looking pretty happy about being over there. Maybe he was hungover. Maybe he had a stomach kick. I don't know. I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how well Mason Rudolph played. And if Mason Rudolph has to play for the next month or even the rest of the season, I'm actually okay with that. I, I, you know, when teams start 0-2, what's the percentage? 18% they make the playoffs? Something like that. 2015. So, yeah, I mean, the reality is that this team is not a good football team. The offense looks sluggish. Um, the running game, I think James Conner left with a knee injury. In fact, I know he did. I don't know the, the extent of it. So that's a concern there. Your guy, Jay Sam, looked pretty good. Is that the right nickname, Jay Sam? Jay Sam, you got it. Oh, finally. Okay. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm willing to roll with Mason Rudolph, see what happens. I was, I love the way he played. The defense is a huge question mark, even though they, you know, they got Devin Bush. And I'm at the point now where I, I think, there needs to be serious consideration about replacing uh, Keith Butler, the, the defensive coordinator. I thought you were going to say Tomlin. Wow. I okay. thought he was going to say Mike Tomlin. But by, the good by, is, by, the way, by the way, Ryan, just before yeah. we continue, the uh, the whole JSAM thing reminds me. On on our Friday, every Friday, we're doing uh, – well, th- three of us are. I don't know if Sean may join us sometime if he figures out his video capacity. We're doing a live show on CBS Sports HQ. It's me, Breach, and Ryan. Uh, and sometimes I hosted the first week, so go to cbssports.com slash live at 4.30 p.m. on fr- every Friday afternoon. You can see, you can watch us talk about the latest NFL news and notes. Um, on this last show, Tommy Tran hosted, and we had a real, we had a blast. Uh, he kept calling Ryan R-dubs. He's been calling me that forever. I, I didn't know that, and uh, I think well, it's just dub. All right, so anyway, you heard R-dubs take on the Steelers, Sean. Um, so your nickname is R.W. McQuarters. Mm. I don't get that one, but I, I'll, I'll, I'll answer anything, John. Thank you. We'll call you McCourts. How about that? Uh, Sean, any thoughts on Roethlisberger getting hurt? And to parallel it with your favorite quarterback, I should note that last year around this time, uh, actually it was in middle the middle of October, I think it was October 14th, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills uh, had a was battling a UCL strain. That's his ulnar collateral ligament for those that aren't doctors. It's uh, it's the basically the uh, group of tendons that connect the upper part of your arm to your forearm, and it's basically what if if that hurts, you start acting like Rodney Dangerfield and in uh, in Caddyshack, and uh, if you're a pitcher in baseball, you probably go have Tommy John surgery. Allen was able to rehab after about four or five weeks and ended up uh, being able to come back and played really well down the stretch, used his legs a lot. So I don't know how, how much that correlates. Um, but, you know, it's possible that Ben could miss up to five weeks if it's the same injury, Sean. Yeah, I think it's – if it's a four- or five-week injury, I think it's survivable. And it, and it pretty much comes down to week three, which is at San Francisco at the 49ers because – that's a game that they need to win, and the 49ers are, what, 2-0 and now? I don't think they're nearly as good as their 2-0 and record suggests. They got gifted 14 points last week against the Bucks. But if they can win that, and the Steelers traveling across the road to a team that we think is worse than them, even though the 49ers just might be better than the Steelers, we'll find out. Um, that doesn't always go well for the 40, or for the Steelers. Ryan always talks about every year they drop a game on the road against a bad team. They're 1-5 um, on the West Coast, Sean, under my hey, right. You know what? That one win came without Ben Roethlisberger, so maybe Ooh. it's a, a blessing in disguise. Michael Vick, 2015. So then, and then, so then after up. the 49ers, they do get the Bengals, which at home, which I think that they could win without Ben Roethlisberger. So Two probably three teams on Monday Night Football. Ooh, they would probably um, lose to the Ravens at home. 
the Chargers, the more I talk about this, the more I think it's not survivable. Yeah. Uh, then they go to L.A., which is another West Coast trip to face the Chargers. But then in they case, can get the Dolphins case, at home. In case you're wondering, Sean didn't do any research on his way back from the Chiefs game. When exactly are the Steelers going to start winning? What, what, what? I think that, so I think in between there, there's two winnable games. Get out of here. Um, so I guess what I've talked myself into is I think the Steelers are probably done unless Ben Roethlisberger avoids a serious injury and is able to return before the game on October 6th. So I think that's, I think that's the game to circle is October 6th. Because I think they could, in theory, survive the next two weeks against the 49ers and Bengals. But they're not going to survive against the Ravens, against the Chargers. They'll beat the Dolphins, but the Colts wait after. So I think they need it to be a two week injury and not the four to five week injury. And I think after that, unless Mason Rudolph ends up becoming the next Dak Prescott, which is what Chris, Chris Pascoe was saying when he came out of the draft, um, I don't think it's happening. So the what what look, we're speculating on Sunday night about this injury. I will say that Mike Tomlin's attitude towards the injury, they're like, is he gonna have an MRI on his elbow? He's like, he's being evaluated. It's like, okay, so this is probably not a great thing. Um it, it, they need they need to figure out a way to beat the 49ers and beat the Bengals. They're 0 and two right now. You have to get two wins. They really have to figure out how to beat the 49ers. Beating the Bengals will probably just happen naturally. <laughs> that's, that's probably true. I mean, I think they can go two and two in their next games and like two and four with Ben coming back after the bye with the Dolphins, Colts and Rams all at home on the, on the slate. Like it's survivable, but the, they cannot go 0 and four. I would just say this. This, the, the issue isn't Big Ben. He did not look great last week, obviously. No one did. Like he, he didn't look great in the first half. He overthrew uh, a lot of passes downfield. Mason Rudolph isn't the problem. The problem is the defense, and I think that's the bigger – and also, by the way, Brinson couldn't wait to tweet this fast enough. He probably didn't even see it happen. I was very angry at him at the time. Mason Rudolph's first pass was an interception. Dante Moncrief literally looked like he was playing volleyball as he batted the ball in the air for the person behind him on the other team to catch it. I, I, I texted you. I didn't tweet it. I texted you. I said oh. Moncrief – Well, Ryan, I was – I then want I to saw- ask you – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, who did you think was better out of Mason Rudolph and Ben Roethlisberger while when Roethlisberger played while he was healthy? Like he didn't even look good, like you were that's, saying. That's exactly my point. I think the issue is a Mason Rudolph versus Big Ben. It's can Keith Butler, and that's why I said Keith Butler needs to someone needs to put a you know light a fire underneath him about doing a better job because the defense has to play better. Um, credit to by the way, credit to Russell Wilson for and the Steelers. This is how bad the Steelers' defense was. They forced Brian Schottenheimer to make Russell Wilson throw the football, and he did it successfully, which everyone knew he could, but Schottenheimer's not one to do that. So credit to the Seahawks for coming into Pittsburgh. The last two times they played there, they were shut out. That didn't happen here. They lost the turnover battle. I think it's two to one, and they still they still won. They uh, Russell Wilson, 29 of 35 for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Lord knows you would hate to turn the offense over to that guy and let him operate. player in the league. Yep. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the Steelers are winning 10 to 7 at halftime of this game. Uh, Russell Wilson came out. The Seahawks went punt and then went touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And the Steelers had no answer for him. Uh, the Mason Rudolph turnover, not again, not his fault. It was Dante Moncrief. Get Moncrief off the field. It's like the Mallrats line. It's like, get, somebody get this damn kid off the field. Somebody get Moncrief off of there. Good. Put God. him on the escalator. Maybe his leg will get caught in the friggin' thing. I mean, I mean, why is it, why is James Washington not playing? I mean, what, what, it's, it's very bizarre. But Mason Rudolph, two touchdowns, third to Vance McDonald. Worth noting in this game as well that Russell Wilson, uh, was mad. He was mad about this. You don't see Russ, Russ get mad often. What, what are you shaking your head at? He slid on your the. Your inflammatory tweet. Go ahead. Did you see the play? 
Go watch the play. He slid. Russell Wilson, no one slides better than Russell Wilson in, in the entire NFL. And he slid in a perfect, like, tuck your left leg underneath your, underneath your right foot and slide like a baseball player. And his, his just got completely stopped by the, by the, by the grass on Heinz Field. And he all, he could have easily torn his ACL or broken his leg on that. I'm dead. What are you, what are you scoffing at? Settle down. He's fine. It, Can I? Turf is an issue, but Dr. Brenton, you have no idea how close he was to tearing his ACL. If anyone knows, go ahead, Sean. Assuming, assuming the Steelers, I wanted to make a point about Moncrief because assuming the Steelers sit him down and demote him behind James Washington, which I feel like they're going to do, this is what his stat line is at after two games. He's been targeted 11 times. He has three catches for seven yards, which means he's averaging well below a yard per target. This is, I think... People were tweeting about it after week one. This is like an all-time bad historical yards per target that Dante Moncrief is at right now. He has five drops, and he also is recovering from a broken finger. I don't care about the broken finger. Just sit on the bench, uh, or better yet, sit in your car in the parking lot. Don't come in. And Ryan complaining about the defense is so perfect because despite the Ben Roethlisberger injury, despite the fact that Dante Moncrief can't catch, the Steelers absolutely could have still won this game. I think – just before the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter, Seahawks had like a third and 15, third and 16. The score is 28-26 to 26 Seattle. So if the Steelers can get a stop on third and 16, all they have to do is force the Seahawks to punt, get in field goal range, and you presumably win this game. So what happens? Uh, Steelers' defense chokes. It was like watching Dante Moncrief trying to catch a pass. Uh, I think Russell Wilson scattered and uh, scrambled for 15 yards on the play. And then next play was fourth and one. Seahawks convert the fourth and one. Boom, game over. So, I mean. A couple series before that, John, and you're right, they choked there. A couple series before that, there was they actually broke up a third and long pass play uh, to, I can't remember, I don't, it may have been Tyler Lockett in the middle of the field. And the safety, Terrell Edmonds, was in coverage. Carroll twice on Sunday challenged pass interference. He, he lost the first one. The second one, in this instance, he won. And it was bang, bang. It could have gone either way. They didn't call it on the field, so I, I, did, I actually felt like they wouldn't uh, overturn it. Tony Dungy was fired up about it because they did overturn it. But that sort of kept the, the – I think they scored on that drive. And then, of course, they were able to, to, to run out the clock uh, on the plays you're talking about later. But um, the officials played a part in Sunday's action everywhere. They didn't cost the Steelers that game. But uh, the, steel, the officials – we're quite busy on Sunday afternoon. Fun fact. This is a fun fact, Sean. This is how you do a effing fun fact. Eat me. Russell Wilson had never played at Heinz Field before Sunday, and so he used Google Images to visualize what the stadium looked like before he went in there. Asked about it, he said, I'm practicing there already. I don't find this fun. This is just another example of Russell Wilson's, like, courtiness. Do you remember when that thing came out uh, and he, like, Googled well, romantic things to say to Sierra? Yeah, he's a weirdo. Yeah, he uh, loves Google. Google. Who doesn't? I use Google for everything. <laughs> Sean, Sean, we got a 26-year-old millennial out here using like Bing. Bing. Yeah, no. Sean's like, Sean's like, Sean's homepage is askjeeves.com. Okay, I know this is the I joke, used a but... Google to find a YouTube video of Sean the other night. I mean, come on, guys. Oh, Google's the best. Come on, Breach. Ah. Oh, you. Should we Breach, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, no, no. I have a question. I have no. a question. Breach, Breach yeah. what did you Google exactly no. if you wanted to find it? Oh, to find. Oh, come on, you guys. Oh, yeah, like Breach, like what would be the phrase you would Google if you this wanted is... to see this video? If you go to Russell Wilson and you you're not. Mute everyone. 
I don't think Sean wants it out there, but if the listeners follow him on Twitter, they'll see uh, his full name. You throw it in Google, throw it in YouTube search engine, uh, maybe, you might find it. Please, um, people how to find it. I just want to, like, this is even Sean, bad because – If you want to be as good of a Googler as Russell Wilson, you got to hone your skills and figure things out yourself. So I'm not going to just hold their hands and walk them through it. I've already told them too much. Just Sean's going to cry before the next podcast starts. Because there's also just more videos than you uncovered, and now there's just, ugh. Oh, good to know. We didn't know that until just Well, I mean, now people are going to go to YouTube and type in my name, and ugh. You don't need to go to YouTube. Go to Google, type in Sean Wagner Next Impulse, click on the first video over the top left, watch it, and then tweet at him, at Sean J. Wagner. Jesus, guys, this is not let Sean, him off. Sean uses YouTube Live to uh, video his dates, so you can also catch up on that. <laughs> um by the way, the uh, the third option, Sean Wagner advocates for nuclear energy. I bet that's not the same Sean. Moving along to a quarterback who actually suffered an injury. We not had not one, but uh. two Hall of Fame quarterbacks who got hurt. Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints knocked out of that game a loss by the Saints to the uh, Los Angeles Rams, a fairly easy loss, really. I mean, it was, uh, he said, scrambling to find what the score was, 27-9. to the uh, the Rams dispatched the Saints and Teddy Bridgewater. Not not difficult for them to do, but this is a potentially devastating injury for Drew Brees, who sounded is Brees. Uh, also, I don't know if you guys know this. Fun fact, Sean, you have a UCL in your elbow. You got one in your hand too, buddy. UCLs tendons are all over the place. Your whole body's full of tendons. And uh, this is a, the L. The L in UCL stands for ligament. That's right. Another fun fact about the UCL in your hand. If you injured the UCL in your hand, it's called the gamekeeper's injury. When do we turn into a medical podcast? Yeah, I know. Well, this is it's it's too over my head, Brinson. Anyway, look, it's basically basically what this injury does that Drew Brees suffers is it makes it it's in it is in between your thumb and your and your and your uh, and your index finger, <laughs> and it makes it extremely difficult. It makes it extremely difficult, as you can see if you check out sorting the Sunday pile on CBSSports.com. There's a video clip. Of Drew Brees, after he suffers the injury, Aaron Donald hits him. He goes over to the sideline and tries to pick up a football, and he can't grip it. And he said this is the toughest he's ever – Ryan's, like, acting – if, if Brenton ever diagnosed any one of us, we'd be going to get second opinion right away. Drew Brees <laughs> Drew Brees, don't listen. If you're listening, don't listen to what Brenton's saying. Trust the real doctors, not what he saw on Twitter or Reddit somewhere. <laughs> you haven't you haven't done a lick of reading about the NFL today other than this crap <laughs> – Chiefs game we got to talk about with your regression story, have you? You have no idea that Drew Brees is about to miss like six weeks of football, do you? I did see him. I, I did see him that was, football. You're treating this a little flippantly, considering it's a Hall of Fame quarterback for a team that was like one player. No, no, it's a serious injury. injury. I just you're having the medical diagnosis come from Doctor Brinson is just you know a little bit tough to believe. But Look, I, it's not my fault. I got a great bedside manner. So anyway, Brees Brees's injury. Makes it difficult to grip and hold the football. He suffered in the first quarter. Teddy Bridgewater had to come in. The Saints could muster no offense against the Rams whatsoever. Alva Kamara was bottled up. Uh, Breach, as a fellow, you know, casual medical professional, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Breeze's injury and how long it perchance could affect him? Well, I mean, I did watch a lot of House when I was <laughs> younger. So that is where I got my medical degree. And it does feel like just the way the Saints treated this, that he's probably going to be out a while. And obviously, when everybody listens to this on Monday, the announcement could already be out. and I could be dead wrong. But unlike the Steelers, I feel like the Steelers are being a little more coy. But the, all the Saints were like, Drew Brees was saying, hey, this is a, could be a significant injury. 
there was a video of him after the game getting into a cop car for an escort to go get his thumb examined. So that's like how quickly they were trying to get him somewhere because the Saints were flying up to Seattle instead of going back to New Orleans because they're playing the Seahawks next week and Drew Brees is staying in L.A. So here's the thing. If he's out for, let's just say, same timeline as Roethlisberger, let's say three to five weeks, their season's over. Like this isn't – I like – Mason Rudolph, I think the Steelers could win one or two games with him. The Saints are not winning anything with Teddy Bridgewater. They're not going to beat the Seahawks in Seattle next week. They have a zero, zero percent chance of that happening. It's higher uh, than zero. It's probably like seven. No, it's zero. You know how many games, you know how many September He's home games? He's a mathematician games, like you're You know how many September home games the Seahawks have lost under Pete Carroll? Zero. It is zero. <laughs> I know. Um, they, they also have the Cowboys at home the week after that. Tampa Bay, t- yeah, but that's probably lost to the Cowboys. Um, Tampa Bay is a is a potential win, okay. with Teddy even with Teddy Bridgewater. I think you know. Uh, here's the problem for Drew Brees is that it's not even like so. Like Ben's problem is that he has to take he has to take the rest and the rehabilitation so that way he can you know get out there and manage the pain right and actually throw with his elbow. Brees is not about pain management. It's about being able to grip that. Like Breeze can't go out there right. and take snaps and try to make throws. He'll be throwing picks and ducks, and he'll be fumbling the football all over the place, Ryan. So, uh, and then then after the Cowboys and Buccaneers, they get the Jaguars and the Bears on the road. Two very good defenses, but very good pass rushes and do losable you, games. As our resident Teddy Bridgewater expert, Ryan, do you want to dispel the myth that Breach is preaching about their season being done? Well, my question was going to be Teddy Bridgewater went 17 of 30 for 165, no touchdowns, interceptions, 72 passer rating. If uh, Taysom Hill is is in uh, Sean Payton's mind, his dude, the Steve Young uh, of the the New Orleans Saints, where has he been? And why isn't he going to waltz in on the white horse and save the season? Why are you rolling with Teddy B? You would think they they gave him a one-year deal worth $7.25 million in guarantees. I mean, this is why – you got to win right now. And here's the thing is that, like, this, with the Saints offense, Drew Brees, he's the bus driver. And so as soon as he's out, you're putting Teddy Bridgewater or Taysom Hill. It's like they can't see over the wheel, and they're going to crash the bus because the offense does not work without Drew Brees. I mean, we saw what their offense did after he went out. It was absolutely nothing. It They went from going 65 mile, yeah, going 65 in a Porsche to just crashing into a brick wall. It was ugly. Who drives 65 in a Porsche? People and in a, a thirty-mile-an-hour school. Drew Brees was the bus driver at the beginning of that. Well, I, I switched him to a Porsche driver. Wait, I, I can't drive a bus with an injured thumb, Sean. Everybody that that. When Bridgewater in the off-season, he had an offer from the Dolphins to kind of go be their bridge guy before they signed Fitzpatrick, and I think there were a lot of people who actually criticized Bridgewater for turning down the chance to go start. And I mean, now you got to see what he does with the opportunity, obviously. But now it looks like he made the best decision for his career because if he was in Miami, he'd be getting slaughtered right now. I don't care who's starting quarterback for them. He played today and tore both his UCLs and his elbows and his hands, broke both his legs. He would still have made a better decision staying with the Saints and going to the Dolphins. <laughs> All right, fair point. Um, but now he actually gets a legitimate chance with a good head coach in a good offense. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as Drew Brees. He's not. Breach is right about that. But for – I think it, it is interesting how many years removed from his injury, he's actually going to get a legitimate chance to start, probably, assuming Breeze's injury is serious. And if he plays well, I mean, the Saints are going to have a really weird decision on their hands if Breeze wants to come back next year. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself because he has to play well, but I think this is really interesting for Bridgewater's career because 
He declined the chance to go to Miami. He stayed patient. He stayed with the better team. And now he has a legitimate chance to prove that he is a starting caliber quarterback. Isn't, isn't it crazy that uh, the, the Dolphins turned down Drew Brees for Dante Culpepper, sent their franchise spiraling into uh, 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 basically into Ryan's old toilet for like 15 years. The Saints thrived and won a Super Bowl. And then Teddy Bridgewater turned down Miami for New Orleans. And now with Drew Brees' injury, see, it's like it's all full circle. Guys. And it happened. Um, Brees signed with the Saints, said the Dolphins on March 14th, 2006. Bridgewater signed with the Saints on March 14th, uh, 2019. Sean, you should have said fun fact before that, and you actually would have had a fun fact. I have fun fact like I'm getting gun shy because I've I've whiffed so many times. So I'm that building my way up. I'm saying some fun facts. Now you're giving me the confidence. Next time I'll go for it. <laughs> that would have been a good fun fact for sure. Uh, also in that game, uh, look, the Breeze thing is, is, is a big deal. And we shouldn't diminish what the Rams did because the Rams played pretty well. I actually thought that um, – I don't want to say Jared Goff was good. He was 19 of 28 for 283 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, man, talk about dudes coming back from injury. Cooper Cup finished with five catches on nine targets for 120 yards. He was so shifty out there. He should have had a touchdown, a a 70 yard touchdown. It got called, he got called down at the one. He was flying all over the place. He tore his ACL in November of last year. This guy is no slouch like a Ryan Wilson type who needs 18 months for recovery. Cooper comes out there in under 12 months ripping around. It's, it's flying under the radar how big a recovery it was. Um, but more importantly, perhaps the Rams are now two and oh. They match the Seahawks in terms of their record. They've looked good. They haven't looked great. They took care of business on the road against the Panthers. They took care of business at home against the Saints. And they probably dodged uh, a pretty major bullet because if you were if you were watching, um, at one point, uh, Jared Goff, as the, as, the, as the Rams were marching down to, to score a touchdown and really put this game away, Jared Goff and, and the Saints, knowing they're desperate without Drew Brees, Goff is strip-sacked. The ball comes out. Cam Jordan scoops it on one hop, and he is – Cam Jordan's fast for a big dude, and he is booking it down the sidelines. And there, there's no chance any one of the Rams players ha- is going to catch him. And he's ripping in for a touchdown, but the officials had blown the play dead, thinking it might have been incomplete. It was not. And Al Riveron, who now apparently is doing all these pool reports, explained – the ruling on the field was out of an incomplete pass outside of two minutes challenged by New Orleans. Like every other replay, we look at every reviewable aspect of the play. In this situation, after looking at all angles afforded to us, it was clear and obvious that it was a fumble. However, by rule, we can give it to the defense if there's a clear recovery. Since we blew the whistle for an incomplete pass, by rule, we cannot give them the advance. So after we looked at it, we changed the ruling on the field, we gave the ball to the defense on the 13-yard line, and we do not charge them with a timeout. Like, why don't you just say, I'm sorry, we screwed up? I mean, like, go ahead. This is like watching state-run television explain uh, a crisis as it happens. You know, it's like Baghdad Bob uh, back in the day. Hey, River on that video they released, he looked like he'd been kidnapped. He's like, everything is fine, and this is going wonderful. Thank you for asking about this officiating business. I mean, it is uh, it, so the the it's a it's a pain every week that we have to go through this. But this is the Saints for the third game in a row that they've been absolutely and royally screwed. We know about the Rams game last January. Last week it was the the what did the refs mess messed up last week? Uh, what was it? The end of the half. The time the end of the, the end half, of the half they messed up. They took away sixteen seconds. They won that game thankfully, even though you could argue they should have lost it. And then of course this, they stole a touchdown from Cam Jordan, um, who after the after the game referred to the referees as uh, Foot Locker guys, which I thought was pretty funny. 
But um, yeah, I don't know. Did you see? Did you see his tweet afterwards? He was like, "No, no offense, Footlocker. No, no offense to Footlocker. He's like, Footlocker's still cool though." Why are you blowing every week? They must tell these referees, please do not blow the whistle under any circumstances, because we have this thing called review. Al Riveron in his t-shirt and shorts, uh, his cargo shorts, can look in New York and tell you what's going to happen. Whatever you do, just don't blow the whistle. Just in fact, uh, Larry Holder, friend of the program, was the guy interviewing Al Riveron. He said, so you do try to emphasize letting a play like that play out, but once the whistle blows, the most you can do is give the ball to the team. He's like, that is correct. Again, we tell our referees, when in doubt, to let it play out. It's like, what, what? that's great, Al. It doesn't matter. You cost the Saints a legitimate chance at winning this because the game had been flipped. It was flipping the entire script of the game. The Saints had all this momentum. They were playing great on defense. They knew they needed to give Teddy Bridgewater a lead. They were going to have the lead going into half probably. And they, they, Look, Cameron Jordan and that defense played great. They just ran out of, they just couldn't do enough to overcome the loss of Drew Brees and, um, and, and Jared Goff and them warmed down. Todd Gurley, by the way, rushing touchdown. Todd Gurley red zone touches. How exciting. And that, that return touchdown would have made it 10 to three. So it was a big deal. That puts him up by a touchdown going into halftime, as Brinson just said. And so it is literally just absurd. Like Al Riveron should have a memo in all capital letters going into every Saints game that says, guys, please do not make any stupid calls against this team because this just looks like a giant conspiracy at this point that we hate the Saints. I don't even know how it's possible to blow things in the NFC title game, blow things last week, blow things this week. It's like the odds seem impossible, and yet here we are talking about the Saints getting screwed over again. So I don't know. Maybe they should let the Saints pick out their own officials for next week's game. But wait – there's more. That wasn't the only uh, officiating controversy on Sunday. We also had drama in the Bears and Broncos games. A very, 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 very disappointing outcome for those of us hoping to rub it in Sean's face all freaking night. And to get, I, I was like, I had like a. You were already rubbing it in my face before the game was was over. I was sitting waiting for Andy Reid's press conference to begin, following the game on Twitter. And Brinson and Ryan are blowing up my phone, laughing about how I'm not watching the Bears self-destruct on a two-point conversion. And then before Andy Reid even gets there, the Bears win the game. Joe Flacco marching down the field to rip apart the Bears at a last-second win, that would have been – I would have shown up in a tank top. And it would have been like a picture of Joe Flacco's shirt or face on the tank top. Uh, By the way, Sean, you can tell he's feeling himself. He's drinking a little White Claw. Ain't no laws. Ain't no laws. There's a there's a shortage. I don't know if you've heard about this white claw shortage, and I somehow got my hands on a uh, little twelve pack at Walgreens. So uh, nice. Well, uh, one of our podcast. I'm drinking a uh, Becky likes the smell uh, double IPA from Bay State <laughs> Brewing Company. That sounds made up, Brinson. Little lovely. Look, Becky likes the smell. You can see. They might want to work on the the PR. The smell of what? Uh, I don't know. It's a nitro double IPA. It's uh, pretty hefty. I'm happy to drink it slow, but um. Joseph H, a podcast listener, mailed me some. He actually packaged a bunch of beer in a, uh, in a, in a, in a, in an old, what, in an old, di- it's like a, like a, uh, a Pampers diapers box. And said, my wife was like, why'd you order diapers? I'm like, it's just beer from a podcast. So she's like, please stop giving our address out to strangers. Thank you. Uh, anyway, the Bears Broncos game, Joe Flacco marches down the field. And frankly, I thought Flacco, I don't know how much of this you guys watched, but I thought Flacco looked really good in, in the second half. Yes, Sean. Can I ask you a question since you just brought that up? I didn't watch most of this game. Um, why did Joe Flacco attempt 50 passes? Because the Bears' defense is good and they couldn't run. They were using a bunch of like short yardage passes. Um, like, let's look at uh, 
the number of passes to running backs, seven targets for Royce Freeman, seven targets for Philip Lindsay, and that's why he attempted 50 passes. They were all short passes. They couldn't get the running game going. You see like 24 carries for uh, 90 yards for, for the running backs out of the backfield. At any rate, Flacco, I thought, looked pretty good, had one boneheaded interception that could have given him a lead. Then Bleep got crazy as they got down. Breach, this is like your wheelhouse, too, the, the, the ending of this type of game. They get down there, and Flacco throws a touchdown pass, and then Fangio's like, F it. I'm going for two and we're getting the win. And so he lines up to go for two and they have a delay of game. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me? And so they march him back five yards and they're going to kick the extra point. McManus misses the extra point. But then there was a uh, offsides on the Bears. So they go back up five yards and then they ran the two point conversion. They get it. They go up by one. It looks like Flacco's like ripped off this miraculously heroic comeback. Uh, and then Mitchell Trubisky. Is in the pocket, and he gets drilled by Bradley Chubb, and they throw this absurd flag for roughing the passer. They get 15 yards, and then Trubisky buys time on this third down. They have one timeout left. Fourth down. Fourth down, yeah, you're right. And it also came after they had a fourth and long, and they got caught with too many men in the huddle, which backed them up five more yards. That's right, yes. Trubisky whips it down. He gets free, whips it down to Allen Robinson. Robinson falls down. Chris Harris kind of touches him. They rule the clock is run out. But then they pause it. They're like, wait, there is one second. They got the timeout off, and uh, your boy Eddie Pinheiro comes on and bangs down a big field goal in a big spot, Breach. If I'm Vic Fangio, this is like this whole game was living in the upside down. First of all, this is a guy who kicked a field goal trailing 24-6 to against the Raiders in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left. So I don't know if he got grilled by John Elway or what happened, but there was nothing to indicate this guy had the onions to go for two after scoring in the fourth quarter. So that was a total shock. And then, as you just described, Brenton, it just became shock after shock after shock. And if I'm Fangio, so A, I decide to go for two, and that's nothing I would have done against the Raiders last week. I get it. And then this guy was the Bears' defensive coordinator last year. So every day in practice last season, he saw how bad Mitchell Trubisky was. And then the one time Mitchell Trubisky is good – is after Fangio decides to go for two, and Trubisky throws a miracle 25-yard pass to set up a field goal, and also Vic Fangio, being in Chicago last year, saw how horrible the Bears' kicking game is. And then he had to watch the Bears make a 53-yard field goal to win the game. I have never felt more sorry for any coach in my life, but I never felt better for the kicker, and that was an awesome, awesome kick by Pinheiro, especially because I predicted it would happen. Uh, I would just point out, it was it 25 yards in that last pass play to Allen Robinson? Is that right, Breach, or are you just making that yeah, up? Yeah, that was 25. So before that, Mitchell Trubisky was 15 of 26 for 95 yards for the entire game. After that, he didn't finish, finish with 120, pass rating of 70. He's a huge problem for this Bears Bears offense. Yeah. I was I was glad to see Dave Montgomery play. He got 60 yards. That was, that was great. They utilized him more often. But, you know, we were sort of joking last week or after the week one uh, Thursday night game, the opener, all right, when are we going to see Chase Daniel? Sean, are you any closer to, to that realization? Uh, before I answer that question, just a note about how bad Trubisky was. Warren Sharp tweeted this after the game. Trubisky became the first starting quarterback to win a game despite averaging 4.4 yards per attempt or less and passing for 120 yards or less. The last quarterback that did that was in 2018. It was a quarterback named Mitchell Trubisky. 
<laughs> the last quarterback to do that was in 2017. It was a quarterback named Jay Cutler. The The last quarterback to do it before then was 2016, and it was Brock Osweiler. So, yes, this was a terrible performance by Trubisky. The win shouldn't cover that up. Am I starting to Daniel? No. I mean, I think the disappointing Trubisky outing was in week one at home against the Packers when you had all, all offseason to put together a plan, and that's when you thought the Trubisky breakout was going to happen. I think this game in Denver against his former defensive coordinator was always a game, regardless of how you think Trubisky's entire season is going to pan out, it was always a game I thought he was going to struggle in because I don't think the Broncos' defense is as bad as it looked in week one against the Raiders. Um, and just on the road with you know with the elevation, I never thought Trubisky would play well in this game. Am I saying I'm like happy with how he's played so far or optimistic about his future? No, but I don't think this is the kind of game where you start – you know, start the whispers for Chase Daniel. That said, it's been two games and Trubisky has looked terrible. Um, so I think he is kind of, you know, right. He's straddling that line right now where if he plays terrible in week three, uh, we can entertain this conversation. But I'm not surprised he was terrible against the Broncos on the road against his former defensive coordinator. And I think the important thing about the beginning of the season, and we saw this with the Bears last year, is it's all about stacking up wins. And it's about peaking later. And the Bears last year, um, seems like you my phrase, but I'll let, I'll let it slide. Do you actually have you said that before? Oh boy, come on. Anyway, carry on. So, so I, I think it's an, it's a, it's, I mean, look, I, this sounds really obvious, but it's an important win because I think if they lose this game, I think they're toast with the Packers yes, looking like huge, they've looked. It's a huge win. It's a season saving win in week two. And to make the playoffs, the Bears need more from Mitchell Trubisky, obviously. Um, but if they don't win this game, it's irrelevant because I don't think they're recovering from 0-2. So at this stage in the season for them, it has to all be about stacking wins, and that's going to require their defense to bail them out. And the hope is Trubisky gets on one of his hot runs, which he did do last year, um, and it coincides you know, with December, November, and January. Um, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to point two things out here. One, uh, the over-under for the Broncos-Packers game in Green Bay next week is 43 and a half. Go ahead and bet that under, because it's going under. The, 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 I don't think Aaron Rodgers is putting up 40. I don't think he's putting up, uh, what, 35 points against this Broncos defense, and I don't think Denver's going to score. But Denver has no interest in scoring a bunch of points. I, I don't think – I think it's too early to bury Trubisky, and I also say that my prediction is in week five against the Raiders in Oakland, Trubisky is like – Oh, it's in London. Even better. Perfect. Yeah. But it's still at 1 p.m. Eastern, right? To right? No. I don't like when they do that. I like the 9 a.m. Eastern. Um, my, uh, I hate that. Yeah, well, you know, we get it. You're on the West Coast. Uh, my prediction is that Trubisky throws for like five touchdowns and is like the DFS superstar for that week or something like that. My more immediate prediction is that the Bears actually play next Monday night at, at Washington. If you look at Trubisky's numbers in primetime, I mean, he's a little bit of an Andy Dalton type of quarterback where he's been terrible in primetime, which for a large – which kind of explains the perception against him. I'm not saying he's been a good quarterback, but the perception after him nationally after his after last season was that he sucked and was terrible when he actually played pretty well for stretches. It's just that he played terrible in every single primetime game. I, I, I think he's going to struggle again on the road against a Washington defense that I don't think is terrible. Uh, I think the Bears can will obviously can win the game, but I don't think he's going to play any better next week. And then he gets the Vikings the week after. So it wouldn't surprise me if going into, that London, going into that London game, if he is like on the 
hot seat with Chase Daniel waiting. And he's, I agree with you. I think he could. No, one is, no one is going to want to play him in DFS. He's have some monster game. I'm stacking him, him and Allen Robinson in, in that week. Ryan loves DFS talk, by the way. Um, the uh, You should also go ahead and take the under on Bears and Redskins for next Monday night, if you're into such things. It's at 42. They're not scoring more than 42 points, right? We agree on that. I feel like that feels pretty safe. Um, and I think the I think the Redskins will win that one outright. They're plus four at home. Um, I could see them winning that one outright. Listen, uh, you're just throwing your money away, man. Maybe. Speaking of throwing things away, we're gonna take a quick break, and then we'll talk about how Andy Dalton threw away the future of the Cincinnati Bengals. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, pot shots. Uh, now you know what a pot shot. I meant it. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton actually got blown out by the San Francisco 49ers. What do you remember, Breach? I know it's been a while. Do you remember what the final score was? Um, because you're rubbing it in my face, I do. You texted to me 104 times in three hours. It's hard to do that. That's like a lot of work to text that many times in three hours. The final score was 41 to 17. The Bengals did not win. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad that by the midway through the second quarter, I was just cheering. I knew the Bengals were going to lose. I had already written it off. So at that point, I was just cheering for Andy Dalton to get yardage so that Sean has to get a tattoo. And he uh, did. Yeah, He's so on pace for 5,832 yards. He yes. is on pace for what Sean just said, which would break the all-time record by 400 yards. So we're still doing good in that department. And the best part is, if you didn't watch this game uh, – uh, the, the final score should have been 41 to 10, but Dalton threw a 66 yard touchdown pass to John Ross with like 40 oh, seconds left. And it, I was just I didn't like, know this. that, that is Sean tattoo stuff all oh. over it right there. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing is that the 49ers played out of their minds and I haven't decided. I think maybe we just overreacted to how well the Bengals played against the Seahawks. Nobody knew what the Bengals were going to be like last week. So everybody thought they were good. And here's the thing. There's two parts of the Bengals that really sucked last year. It was their offensive line and their defense. Their defense gave up more yardage than any other team, and that was exactly what I saw against the 49ers. Their defense still looked bad. Their offensive line couldn't protect Dalton. 
And then Kyle Shanahan put together possibly the best football game plan of all time. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't get pressured. Guys were running open all over the place. Uh, and when Jimmy played against the Buccaneers last week, he looked a little timid. Uh, he couldn't hit the open guys. He looked like he was afraid to take a hit to his knee. Not this week. The guy looked like somebody who could win a Super Bowl. I mean, he was just unstoppable. Bengals couldn't tackle their running back. So I thought this was as much as the 49ers looked good as it was the Bengals looking bad. So, I mean, the 49ers are 2-0. You look at their schedule. This is a team that uh, could be a threat in the NFC West. My takeaway was that Kyle Shanahan remains one of the league's best play callers because I think while Garoppolo was sharp, there were so many wide open uh, openings with screens or just downfield throws with misdirection that part of it is probably because the Bengals defense isn't really good. I feel like because of how crazy the soft season was with, you know, the Odell trade and all the Antonio Brown drama, we kind of forgot about the fact that the Bengals literally just couldn't get anyone to take their defensive coordinator opening, which should have been a really big story. And it just kind of got glossed over. And this was one of the worst defenses in football a year ago. So I don't think they're going to be much better. And Cal Shanahan, I thought, just took them to school. Um, there were so many wide open throws for Garoppolo with so much misdirection that um, it just it was a reminder to me that Shanahan is probably the 49ers biggest asset. Yeah, it's good. Good win for him. Moving along to another blowout game. It's a huge win for him. No, I was laughing at Ryan being like, all right, next. What do you want to talk about? The Bengals got thrashed by Kyle Shanahan. In 49ers opened the season with two road wins, the first time they've done that since 1989. Fun fact. Uh, fun fact. They also, in both games against the Bucks and Bengals, scored more than 30 points. The first time they've done that in the first two games of the season since 1998. Mm. And mean, that 1989 thing, they won the Super Bowl that year. And they're about to go three and zero. So we have three. That teams, is a sad Steelers fan talking. Three, three teams in the NFC West who are now two and zero. The Forty ers get the Steelers at home. And so I mean, it's a pretty good draw, right? You get you get probably get Mason Rudolph for four quarters. Uh, you get your Week Four bye. Then Browns at Rams at Redskins Panthers. I mean, this Forty ers team can hang around. They got a good coaching staff. You know who's not? Yes, Ryan. Oh, one thing quickly. It's also hilarious if you're a Steelers fan to realize that the Steelers traded their backup quarterback to the Jaguars six days ago. They now need their backup quarterback. So they're, they're in deep doo doo, as one would say. That is, that is rather hilarious. Um, speaking of teams that are in deep doo doo, I don't think the Miami Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they're going to play in the, uh, the Super Bowl in Miami. I know it's a bold statement just two games in, but the Miami Dolphins are now 0 2. They lost 43 to nothing. To the New England Patriots, who showed no mercy, ran up the score. Tom Brady's throwing late. They tried to blow that uh, that over under. We had the under is one of our best bets on our, on the podcast on Friday. They tried to screw that up. Uh, two pick sixes by by the Patriots in the uh, in the fourth quarter. One for fifty four yards by Stephon Gilmore, and one for sixty nine yards from Jamie Collins. Nice. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Went 11 of 21 for 89 yards, not nice, and three interceptions. Josh Rosen came in 7 of 18 for 97 yards and one pick as well. The Dolphins now have a negative 92-point differential through two games, which is, is it's not it's not good. Well, it's third, third all-time in ter- after two games. There's been two worst teams? Yes. I know. Who are, are the you, two uh, worst teams? Oh, you don't know about this? You didn't see this already? This is the no, joint? I was in a press box with no Wi-Fi for three hours. So uh, they're tied with the 1973 Saints, the 19 uh, negative 92. The 1961 Oakland Raiders were worse, 
at negative uh, 99. And then the 1923 Rochester Jeffersons are the worst team of all time. I remember that team. Minus Underrated. 16. As I wrote in my column, what a bunch of lollygaggers. Uh, uh, but- and to put that in perspective, the Cleveland Browns during their 0-16 season – didn't hit negative 92 point differential until week 10. This is week two. You know what the takeaway is, John? The Dolphins need Hugh Jackson. <laughs> wait, wait. Ryan, hire Brian Flores, hire Hugh Jackson. Ryan, let me ask Ryan something. Are you done with the your conspiracy theory that Belichick lets his assistants – like, has this debunked that conspiracy theory? I don't think he could have let them win if he wanted to. That's my so – Well, I mean, but still – you know, they, he could have softened the. No, no, no. I mean, there were two. There was two fourth quarter pick sixes. You here's just what happened. said that they were throwing late in the fourth quarter. Here's what. Well, here's what happened. It was twenty three nothing late. Belichick and Flores talked probably on Friday. <laughs> the same conversation that, that Belichick and, and Matt Patricia had last year, and then they got to the game, and you got Antonio Brown out there doing barefoot stretches and all that weird stuff. And then he sees the actual Dolphins team uh, through the first two series. He says, oh, my God, there's no amount of sort of playing, giving you a chance to win that would not go unnoticed by the league. We would all get suspended for collusion, and uh, the Russians would probably somehow be blunt. Here's here's something I want to mention, <laughs> seriously. So our, our buddy Adam Beasley, the Miami Herald, tweeted this out. I hate mail from Russia. Very good friend of the podcast, Adam Beasley. He's been on here multiple times. Yeah, he tweeted this out late Sunday evening after – Dolphins fans, I'm sure, had sent him plenty of hate mail and yelled and screamed about everything, and, and understandably so. So here's Beasley's tweet. Friendly reminder, the Dolphins will have $160 million or so in cap space next year to go along with 12-plus draft picks. That means they can sign 32 players at $5 million, year, uh, $5 million apiece per year each and still find six or seven starters in the draft. So they'll be much, much better with even the slightest competence. And that last sentence is extremely important. What level of trust do you have in what the Dolphins are doing that they're going to be, they're going to go from 0 and 16 because they're not going to win a game? Maybe the Steelers let it win. By the way, the, uh, the, the Las Vegas Westgate released odds on whether the Dolphins would go 0 and 16 on, uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. If you had to get, there were two games in. And remember, going 0 and 16 is really bleeping hard. What do you think the odds would be like? You know, 10 to 1, 20 to 1. What, what would you guess that the odds I'd were guessed? 20 to 1. 15 to 1. 3 and a half to 1. What? Oh, my God. 3 and a half to 1. Why to... would you make that bet? It's not even worth it. <laughs> They're minus 400 to not go winless. My God. But plus so, 350 to go winless. That is insane. So how do you feel about Beasley's tweet? Is there a chance this team goes from 0-16, which it sounds like they're going to do, to seven games next year? Because if not, this doesn't make any sense to blow up the whole thing. I don't think you're going to see immediate 2020 success, but I agree that I think this is the way tanking needs to be done. Um, I think there was a report that they're interested in trading Kenyon Drake. I think that's the perfect guy to trade because they're not. They're not. That report was debunked. It was debunked. I, I oh, well, Brian's Jay, debunking it now. Jay, what Jay Glazer just said it. I'm I'm taking I'm riding Jay Glazer here. I think Armando said it wasn't. I'm we're going to ride with Jay Glazer on that. So, anyways, I think. I actually think for as bad as the Dolphins are and for how embarrassing they're going to be this entire season, if you're going to tank, tank. And I understand that puts some players in a tough situation like Minka Fitzpatrick, who they don't want to put these terrible games on tape. But trading a running back makes perfect sense because by the time the Dolphins, in theory, are going to be good, Kenyon Drake's going to be on his second contract. When are they going to be good, Sean? 
Here's 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 a chance to be good. Sean, imagine paying four thousand dollars for season tickets for to watch a team that averages five points per game. I'm not approaching this. That's the thing is I'm not approaching this from the Dolphins fan perspective, which I understand it sucks that you're trotting out a team that's getting blown up by forty every week. I'm I don't think you're, don't think you're approaching it from the Dolphins front office perspective either, because you can't give me a timeline on when they're going to be good. I just well, said. Been being worse if they actually Look, tried I think these teams are in this position where they have to be trying to time their rise, their ascension, when Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are done. And yeah. it's clear, no, it's clear the Jets and Bills are on a good path, I think, in theory. Like, they've executed it pretty well. It's not their fault that Brady still looks like Neither of those teams tank, Sean. Really quickly. They tank for terrible picks. Sean, really quickly. They got, that's how they got quarterbacks. Oh, my God. If I say really quickly and you don't stop talking one more time, I'm going to jump oh, wow. You're mad that someone's interrupting you or you can't interrupt someone? Wow. The comp, I think, and I think you would agree, is the pre-Gruden Raiders when they were terrible. They picked up picks. They added Mack, Carr. I know we don't like whatever we want to think about Derek Carr, but you got a quarterback in the second round. You got Cleo Mack, and then you add Amari Cooper, and you put those franchise cornerstones in there, and then you make that leap and win. I don't know if you guys remember, they won exactly 12 games uh, in 2016. So um, the other comp would be the Browns, who started stacking talent, then went and made trades. I mean, like that's you just gotta you, you gotta suffer through this. It's gonna suck. Okay, this, this is too much time we spent on the Dolphins on this hour and a half long podcast. Moving along. Oh wait, actually, hold on. What did you think about Antonio Brown, Ryan, in his debut with the Steelers? <laughs> Uh, with the with the with the Patriots, as he as he's catching a touchdown, like literally at the same time, Big Ben's like standing in the pocket, and like nobody can get open. It just felt like, oh, man, they missed. It was it. a monumental slap in the face. We'll <laughs> see. I mean, look, the dude's awesome. What are you going to say? <laughs> I, I still stand by what I said last week. I don't know how much better he makes this team because uh, they were. We'll see when they play. But I mean, fifteen wins anyway. So fifteen and a half wins. He, yeah, he, he turns them. Into the presumed Super Bowl favorite, into the presumed Super Bowl favorite, right? Just agree. by a wider margin. And the one thing with Antonio Brown, though, is that the NFL is going to do that investigation this week. The accuser is talking to the league, and you know, if there is some serious merit to the lawsuit, who knows what's going to happen after that? He could be still put on the commissioner's exemplary. So that's still something that's up in the air. Yeah. And according to yeah. one report, they also want to interview his cousin. Marquise Hollywood Brown of the as a witness, uh, as a witness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just as a witness for Antonio. And let's say on on the chance that Antonio Brown gets put on that list that Sean, John just mentioned, the Patriots are still going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, their biggest challenger, though, is in the AFC. Obviously not the Steelers, now that Ben Roethlisberger uh, is being thrown into, a, into Ryan's toilet. Uh, it's the Kansas City Chiefs, who, speaking of the Raiders, who we look at, double segue, beautiful by me, uh, went out to Oakland, and uh, Sean was there. The, the Raiders, the Chiefs kind of uh, messed around. Deed, deed around for a little bit. That played like, yeah, maybe we'll lose to the Raiders. And then the third quarter happened, Sean, didn't it? The second quarter happened. No, it was actually kind of annoying because I went there and look, you guys predicted it. Like, I'm going to a Chiefs Raiders game. You know, you know, I want to write about Patrick Mahomes. And the game starts with the Raiders up 10 nothing, scoring 10 points on their first two possessions and the Chiefs punting on their first two possessions. Oh my and God. I'm Derek, sitting there. Cars looking great. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to have to write a column about why the Raiders are like serious challengers or they're well ahead of schedule. A 5,000 word apology to Derek Carr. That's what you had to oh, it would have been ugly man. I'm, so I'm glad this didn't there, turn out that way. I'm sitting there like are you kidding me? And I'm like alright whatever it's an interesting angle but I, I don't want to read it. And then the second quarter happens and this is one of the most ridiculous quarterback performances in a single quarter I think you could say in a long time because the Raiders were up 10 nothing. 
by the time the second quarter began, by the time halftime hit, it was 28, um, 28 to 10. Mahomes threw for 270-something yards and four touchdowns. Um, and I think the takeaway from this game is that, and I wrote about it, and Brinson and Ryan and Breach are going to roll their eyes, is that we've spent so long or so much on the Internet, so, spent so much time this summer talking about the idea of how Patrick Mahomes just has to regress because no one can do 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards twice because it's only been done twice in NFL history with Mahomes and Peyton Manning doing it. But here's I, my counter-argument. I mean, I think a game like this where Mahomes and the Chiefs offense was kind of off for three-fourths of the game, but they were just on for four drives, and he throws for, for four touchdowns, and he's now on pace, by the way, uh, for 6,568 yards, 56 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's averaging 10.7 yards per attempt, a touchdown on 9.1% of his passes. A year ago, he was averaging 8.8 yards per attempt and a touchdown on 8.6% of his passes. So all of his numbers are up from a year ago, and I know it's two games, and there's still plenty of time for him to regress. But my argument his is touchdowns that... Are, his touchdowns are down. He had 10 through two games last year. He has seven now. That's called... He's on pace of 56 Oh, touchdowns. snap. How many touchdowns did he throw last year? All regression. Wait, Brinson. This is basic math. How many touchdowns did he throw last year? Uh, 55. 50. 50? I don't know, 50. How many touchdowns is he on pace for this year? How many touchdowns was he on pace for through two weeks last year? I'm just pointing out that he finished with 50. Why does it matter who he was on pace for two weeks last year? He finished with 50. He's, he's, behind, on pace for 50 he's behind the pace he was on last year. Somebody got dunked He's on, on pace Sean. to finish with more touchdowns. All right, we're not getting into a dumb mathematical argument. Will you explain to him that he got dunked on, Ryan? Please explain to him. Sean, go on with the rest of your argument. By the way, Sean this has guy, a cow degree, so I'm going to trust his math. He was on pace for 80 after two weeks last year. And he finished with 50, and he's on That's pace. Now progression. Right now, he is on pace to finish. That means he's probably going to finish with less than 56, Sean. I'm, it's called regression. I'm, You're explaining how regression works, and I'm sticking it in your face like Sean Kemp. Drop it a rainmaker! So this is why I think, I, and I understand all the arguments against regression, because, look, historically, touchdown rates as high as Mahomes has been for the last year and two games, that just doesn't happen. If you look at Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, it happened to both of them. This is why I think it could potentially happen where he exceeds these numbers. It's that we're not factoring in the, the fact that last year was his first season as a starter. It was his second as a pro. He's had another offseason in Reed's system, another offseason with his weapons, another off, another year to look at defenses. And look at what Brady said. I mean, just look at Brinson's reaction. Right well, now. and he, he put amazing. up those numbers today just, without Tyree Kill. Like, that's worth just, talk keeping about, in mind. Talk about the other one. We do the same stupid argument every week. I don't want to hear about regression. Talk about Talk about Michael Hardman and how awesome he was. Talk about Demarcus Robinson. And that's talk, why I think this. Talk about the fact, Sean, that he had 278 passing yards in the second quarter, the most passing yards in any quarter by a quarterback since 2008 when Drew Brees had 294, and the second most in any quarter since 1991. Give us a facts, Jack. I literally just said it was one of the best passing performances in a single quarter we've seen in recent history. That's very vague. Look, okay, and here's the other thing that I didn't write about. Look, we all know about Mahomes. We don't need to get into Mahomes. I think the or, thing – Or, or how, about was, the fact, how about the fact that he had five straight completions of more than 30 yards? That was awesome. That's a, that's impossible to do. Right, and I was actually going to go there because I actually had the, the completions lined up. To close the first half, he had a 42-yard touchdown to Hardman, a 32-yard pass to Damon Williams up the sideline, a 43-yard pass to Robinson, a 27-yard touchdown pass to Kelsey, a 39-yard – 
pass to Robinson. And keep in mind, they also did this without their starting left tackle, who left in the first quarter with a groin injury. The other thing I was going to say that I didn't get to write about was that I know it's against the Raiders, but I thought the Chiefs' defense was actually kind of encouraging. They gave up 10 points on their first two series. They didn't allow an, a, a single point after that. Um, I mean, the game was 28-10 to 10 at halftime. Not a single point was scored after that. If the Chiefs defense can just marginally improve, and no one's going to expect them to pitch shutouts for three quarters like they did against the Raiders, and Derek Carr definitely imploded there at the end with a couple of really bad interceptions. Yes, but sir. if they can, well, I, I want to ask you, Sean, real quick how did how did you fight the urge to write uh, Derek Carr's horrible and this was his uh, this was his Da Vinci, this was his perfection, his falling apart. I mean, Tyrell Williams looked like he was going to murder Derek Carr on the interception in the end zone. Uh, both of his interceptions were ugly, and you could have just taken that shot, that last dagger, that last nail in the coffin. I, that's what I thought you were going to do. Why'd you do that? Because my love for Patrick Mahomes exceeds my hate for Derek Carr. Uh, it was actually after that interception in the fade in the end zone. It was it was pretty. I don't think the camera showed it because they were showing Tyrell Williams glaring at Derek Carr. Derek Carr's reaction was pretty funny. He was he was not pleased, I'll say, with the result of that play. And I felt like he thought that Tyrell Williams probably should have battled more um, on that fade. I hope everybody picked up Miko Hardman. I told you to do it. It is pretty awesome. He's but, very and, awesome. And by That's, the way, he had a 70-yard touchdown called back in the third quarter. Yes, yeah, he, did. He, should, he should have had two long touchdowns. He He's very fast and very good. And Tyreek Hill is cheering him on. And if Tyreek Hill is out for six weeks, Hardman's going to be a monster. Also a monster and a game. Oh, man, I can't wait to see this game. If we were doing a draft, if we are like picking, like this would be the number one pick of best games to watch next week. Chiefs, Ravens, are you kidding me? Lamar Jackson was fantastic again on uh, on Sunday. They beat the Cardinals 23-17. They did not cover, but they beat the Cardinals in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson, 24 for 37 for 272 yards and two touchdowns, 16 carries for 120 yards. Becomes the first quarterback in NFL history with 250 passing yards and 120 rushing yards in a single game. Mark Andrews dominant again, eight catches on nine targets, 112 yards and a touchdown. Hollywood Brown got 13 targets and eight catches. Um, and once again, Cliff Kingsbury's offense apparently only works in the fourth quarter. Ryan, what, what, why, why can't they open this thing up for Kyler Murray early on? I don't get it. Uh, football perspective. Uh, I don't know Chase. Uh, Chase his last name's Chase. Chase Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Stewart yeah. Uh, Chase Stewart. Sorry. So he tweeted this out. Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals are now the first team since the NFL moved the goalposts in 1974. I was a year old to attempt three field goal attempts in a game while trailing from inside the five yard line. The only shocking thing about that is that Mike Tomlin didn't hold that record previously, but uh, <laughs> it makes Marvin you... Lewis <laughs> or Marvin, Marvin Tomlin or Jason Garrett <laughs> cover cover everybody. Yeah, so it's weird. Um, and I watched part of this game. I didn't watch all of it because I was watching Red Zone. Um, you, you mentioned Lamar Jackson; he looked fantastic. I was excited about what I saw from Kyler Murray in terms of him progressing from last week to this week. He was twenty-five of forty for three forty-nine, no touchdowns, no interceptions, and. Uh, he remains incredibly accurate, which you knew coming out, but we thought there would be some transition from college to the, to the pros. We saw that. Uh, Christian Kirk had a huge game. Larry Fitzgerald was targeted often. And here's the thing, man. They drafted Akeem Butler, and they drafted Andy Isabella, the two wide receivers he thought would have a huge impact. It's been Keyshawn Johnson, who I think was a six-round pick out of Fresno State, who's been sort of his go-to guy. He had a huge catch. Um, targeted twice, but he had a huge catch for 31 yards. I think he had some catches last week, and he had a big preseason. So this team might be better than we thought they were. The Ravens are clearly better than we all thought they were, and by a large margin. But but I think the Cardinals are actually are 
they might win six games, six or seven games. What was the over-under? Do we know? Five and a half. Okay. Yeah, so maybe I'm not that far off. Seven will be a stretch. Six seems about right. It maybe they got a pretty tough schedule. I mean, the NFC West might be back to being the toughest division of football because I mean, at least the Cardinals are going to give you something. They're keeping it close to these two teams. They're you know they're o one and one now. Panthers and Seahawks at home, like they could go one and one or two and zero in those games. That wouldn't be crazy. I if they feel did. like they could beat the Panthers given Cam's struggles. And then and then they're at the Bengals and they have the Falcons at home. I mean, they could rip off a couple of wins here. Uh, I don't, I, I don't understand. I really don't understand why they why. Cliff Kingsbury is the least aggressive human being on the planet and why he doesn't push tempo and doesn't play with this like high octane offense until the fourth quarter. Like you could see it. I mean, they, you know, they kicked, uh, a, let's see, before the fourth quarter, they kicked a 22 yard field goal, a 21 yard field goal. And that is, uh, I mean, how many is that now? My God. Yeah. He's, his, he's kicked field goals from fourth and one. At the four yard line, fourth and goal at the three yard line, fourth and goal at the two yard line, and they were they're they're trailing in all these in all these situations. Like they got like five field goals inside the inside the five yard line. It's insane. And then he finally starts going with with uh you know moving the tempo with with Kyler Murray and, and David Johnson. He's throwing to Christian Kirk. It looks like a fun offense. If they did that for the whole game, this team could throw up some numbers. I, I just don't really get what they're doing. Well, and the crazy thing here is that Cliff Kingsbury is the one holding the team back right now. It's like. You hired this guy because he's got this innovative offense, because he's a risk taker, but now he's not taking any risks. So like half the reason you hired him, he's now worthless. He's not doing. Nobody kicks field goals three times from inside the five-yard line when you're trailing all three times that you were inside the five-yard line. That's just insanity. I mean, that's like that's maybe what old Vic Bangio would have done, but new Vic Bangio shouldn't. Cliff Kingsbury shouldn't. It was just embarrassing that he didn't go for it and – I do want to throw one thing in on the Lamar Jackson stat that you started off with, Princeton, about being the first player with 250 passing yards and 120 rushing yards. NFL stats are only the regular season. Colin Kaepernick did it in a playoff game against the Packers. That's a good point. That's a good point, John. Uh, I think the Ravens are, by the way, just head and shoulders above everybody else in that division right now. I mean, with Ben Hurt, the Bengals looking like trash. Uh, the Browns offensive line being a problem. If the Browns don't win tomorrow night, the Ravens might clinch the division by like Halloween. I mean, it's, who would have thought this would be the easiest division to clinch? The Ravens are 2-0, and and before the Monday night game with the Browns, the rest of the division is 0-5. By the way, <laughs> Kyler Murray passed for 349 yards in this game. He joins Cam Newton, 2011, as the only quarterbacks with at least 300 passing yards in each of their first two career games in NFL history. Uh, Lamar, who had 119 rushing yards in Week 11 last year, is just the fourth quarterback since 1970 with two career games of at least 115 115 rushing yards, joining Michael Vick, who had 6-7, Randall Cunningham, 2, and Bobby Douglas, 2. I mean, Lamar Jackson is, I get it, he's still developing as a passer, but he's looked pretty good, and he is still, um, he's, he's putting up historic numbers for what he does. Moving along to Sunday Night Football, where... Daddy made a little cash on the on the Falcons. Whew, needed it. Get Did you back. call yourself Daddy? Get back game. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Just making sure. Papa made some yeah. cash. Papa, Papa. For Papa's Papa. better. Don't call yourself Daddy. That that's a one time thing. Okay. It sounds weird when you say it out loud. It sounded fine in my head. Daddy. Yeah, when you're like, don't call it like like you can say. We call Daddy. you. Can we call you Papa Smurf? Daddy. Sure. Can you call? Please stop saying Daddy, Sean. That's really creepy. <laughs> It sounds like you're asking Ryan if he's your father. Like, Papa? 
Um, anyway. Weird porn film. <laughs> yeah, it's got dark quick. Uh, so sorry to Debo. Our producer has to listen to us talk about this game, but the Atlanta Falcons beat the Philadelphia Eagles 24 to 20 in a wild game that featured, uh, old big balls, Doug Peterson going for it on fourth down near the goal line, getting the touchdown, going for the multiple two point conversions. And then it looked like Carson Wentz just storming, playing hurt with busted ribs. You know, I mean, storming back, leading the Eagles. Um, he, he finishes with three, 231 passing yards, had two, t- two interceptions that were bad, but a huge touchdown pass, an incredible third down conversion late in the game. And then all of a sudden the Falcons are down to a fourth and three. And they, they go for it instead of punting. Thank God, Dan Quinn. They throw a screen pass to Julio Jones. He gets in the open field and he turned on the afterburners. He uh, topped, according to next-gen NFL stats, top 20 miles per hour from a screen pass at the Eagles' 40-yard line. That's pretty insane. Finished with five catches for 106 yards and two touchdowns. Calvin Ridley, eight catches, 105 yards and a score. Matt Ryan, big numbers. But, Ryan, he had a bunch of big-time, big doo-doo interceptions. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you look at Carson Wentz's numbers and you're like, oh, he must have played terribly. He took a beating behind the line. Uh, I feel like a lot of it wasn't his fault. You also didn't mention this, but they were down. Just about every person on that team that was a playmaker was hurt. Alshon Jeffrey was hurt. Yep. Deshaun Jackson? Deshaun Jackson was hurt. Uh, Goddard was hurt. Carson the, Wentz left for a few plays. Yep. We got to see old man uh, McCown. He came out there. <laughs> It Josh McCown from the Haunted Amusement Park. Josh, Josh, Josh McCown just made 20, 20 grand per, uh, per pass attempt on Sunday night. Good for him. So you look at the stat line and you go, oh, Carson Wentz had an off night. He really didn't have an off night. I thought he outplayed Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan threw, and you tweeted this a couple times, I think the last interception you called the quack quack, and it was an absolute duck. No business throwing it or at least throw it. Oh, no, no, that wasn't the last interception. That was the, the, that was the one where Jim Schwartz brought the house. And right. he, and he threw it up thinking he could get it over Ronald Darby's head. Didn't. Darby gets it. The, the, the last interception, they get, they had the ball in the red zone and he overthrows a tight end and like hits it hit, and throws in a double coverage. And it was, it was just one of the worst interceptions you'll ever see. And I, I question, I question, look, he's fine. We know Matt Ryan's fine. He was, uh, did he win the MVP a few years ago? He, he was the, he was in the running. If he didn't, he, he's a really good quarterback to the team Super Bowl. 2016. All the, 2016. It was three years ago, man. I can't keep. I mean, come on. I get a new toilet tomorrow. I don't have time to remember. Did Hardis, did Hardis Wagner have 17 RBIs in the 1945 NBA season? He didn't play in the 2016. It was three years ago. My point is that Carson Wentz outplayed him. Oh. Matt Ryan. That team very easily. The Falcons could be 0 and 2. The Patriots won a Super Bowl recently. Yeah, but Ryan, I think I think the flip side of that, Ryan, is that Matt Ryan played like trash, and the Falcons still won. Yeah, that's right. So maybe I mean, how about now? So how about the Falcons finally being able to close out a game against the Eagles? Because we've seen them in the playoffs, and then that season opener. I'm going to pull Ryan here. Was that just last year? Um, where they they've lost in those end zone situations um, with Julio Jones and all that. So how about I mean, for them, for I mean, for Falcons fans, for a team that has been unable to win close games, this had to feel good. And, and I'll also, say, I just want to point out. On Thursday, on they Friday's once blew podcast. a twenty-eight to three lead in the Super Bowl. I yeah, did that happen? I can't. Right, was that nineteen thirty? I do want to point out what's what's funny to me is that the Bucks game, Bucks Panthers game was on Thursday night. So on Friday's podcast, I definitely said I feel like you guys agreed that it looked like the Saints were clearing away the best team in the NFC South, and this wasn't going to be competitive. And just how fast things 
The Buccaneers are going to win the division. How fast things can flip in the NFL. One Drew Brees injury, one Falcons win over the Eagles, and suddenly it's anyone's division. I mean, Jameis Winston is the best quarterback in the division. I mean, it did did not see that coming. Matt Ryan, by the way, five interceptions so far this year in just two games, only had seven all of last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the biggest problem, I think, for the Falcons is that – and their defense played okay. They got, Takaris McKinley was really good, got a ton of pressure. Uh, the Eagles offensive line was all beat up. Again, those weapons that Carson Wentz was dealing with, he was pulling off some magic on third down. But the, the, the Falcons, you know, used their first round pick on Chris Lindstrom and then traded back up to get Caleb McGarry. McGarry was carted off and then somehow came back on the field and kept playing. I don't know that they're going to get two full seasons out of those guys. Lindstrom are obviously already on IR. If that offensive line is bad, the Falcons are, are going to have a hard time, I believe, winning a bunch of football games. But hey, look, you, this is a, you got to stack wins in this division right now because it is a, uh, it's wide open, man. Anybody can win this division. Panthers are not dead anymore. 0-2. Cam can get going. They don't have a quarterback. Cam's get Cam healthy. They'll be fine. Oh, is that I, all you can do? Okay. No, so easy. They should have thought about that earlier. Speaking of teams that don't have a quarterback, Let's check in on my Super Bowl winner, the Minnesota Vikings, currently captained by Kirk Cousins, who went 14 of 32 for 232 yards, a touchdown and two interceptions, one of which was one of the, just a horrendous Matt Ryan level interception. Um, thank God Dalvin Cook at least made me feel good about my life. 20 carries, 154 yards and a touchdown. And, uh, if you're an Aaron Rodgers owner or a Packers fan, you should be feeling good as well because Aaron Rodgers looked pretty awesome against a very good defense in the Vikings. Um, 22 of 34 for 209 yards and two touchdowns. They really eased things back once they had a 21 nothing lead, ran the ball and played a bunch of defense. 23 carries for Aaron Jones, 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, the, 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 the Vikings could have won this game. They had a, a touchdown that was called back and, uh, they, they missed an early field goal. And it really put him in a hole 21-7 at halftime. They couldn't climb out. And Kirk Cousins, I don't know why I picked a team with Kirk Cousins on to win the Super Bowl, Ryan. What, what was I thinking? What, what the hell was I thinking? He's not winning big games. This guy can't, can't go into Green Bay and win a big game. This is idiotic. This is the, first of all, he's, he's back to being called Kirby, number one. Number two, this is Kirby Cousins special, for sure. This is the second dumbest thing you, you predicted this season after, uh, Sammy Watkins and Devontae Parker. So this is, <laughs> this isn't the worst thing you said. Go we ahead. have to remind him of that every single week. What well, so Sammy with? Watkins had 49 receiving yards. Let's just check on Mr. Yeah. <laughs> they scored zero. EK Laws when you Google in the middle of the pod. Uh, the thing is, Kirby so, Cousins doesn't oh my, have to beat. Oh, my Kirby. God. Did you see Devontae Parker's line today? What no, but I saw the, the, the so, score. Seven targets, zero catches. Oh, oh, I thought, <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're right on track with that. All right, back to Kirby. I was going to say, Kirby Cousins – the good thing for him and Brentson's Super Bowl pick is that he might not have to beat anyone good to get the Vikings to the playoffs. They play the Raiders. They play the Giants. They play the Lions. They play the Redskins. So they have a lot of winnable games. You know, maybe they're not going to win the division because they're not going to be Aaron Rodgers because Kirby's so horrible. And you can't just hand it off to Dalvin Cook 65 times a game, which I do think Mike Zimmer would absolutely do if he was running that offense. If he just fired his offensive coordinator and told Gary Kubiak to leave town, that dude would run it 65 times. But he's can't. He, he has to let Kirby throw the ball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this is what happens when you let Kirby throw the ball. Nothing good. So maybe the Vikings squeak in now at like 9-7. and seven. But, yeah, Brinson, your, your pick's looking like doo-doo. How would you guys re-rank the NFC North after two weeks? Packers. And then, like, seven slots. <laughs> and then the Vikings one inch above the Bears. And then, like, seven more slots back the Lions. So wait a second. Um, Lions won, by the way. Um, so, so the actual standings list. <laughs> sure. 
<laughs> so wait a second. They're paying Kirby Cousins. They're paying Kirby Cousins $85 million over three years. Yeah. They could have just kept Case Keenum for $15 million to do exactly what John's saying they need him to do, which is turn around and hand the ball off. So what's the point of having Kirby if he's going to be a, a hander offer? Look, Let me I, just say I wrote that I just this past Monday about – why are they paying all this money? They just want to hand it off. And I got attacked on Twitter by Vikings fans. I'm going to tweet at all of you guys this week. I'm coming at you. By the way, Mike Zimmer is wondering the exact same thing. So that's a valid question. Look, look, the, why can't the Packers defense just be really good? Because I think that might be the case. I mean, like the, they. The Packers defense didn't play Kirby Cousins last week. Yeah. Yes, we know that. I just and by it. the way, Brenton, I didn't read the standing. <laughs> wow. the, Lions, the Lions are in second place. Yeah, I was just going to say wait, wait, that. Are you. You su- are you suggesting that the, that the Packers didn't play the same team twice to open the season, Ryan? That's bold. Um, the Packers get the Broncos next, as I mentioned. Did I mention that game yet? Take the under on that game. It's 43 and a half. Take the under. These are two good defenses. Nobody's scoring any points. And Vic Fangio definitely knows how to coach against Rodgers. He's been doing it a lot recently. All right, I thought you were doing, being sarcastic. But, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, One other crazy thing about this game, because – Second quarter, Aaron Rodgers just starts going into Matt LaFleur. And here's the thing. I feel like this is the stuff we saw last year with Mike McCarthy, except that the Packers were losing. So the media would literally harp on it every day, all week. Like, hey, why do you guys hate each other? Hey, why do you want to kill each other? But now they're winning, so they ask, like, one question after the press conference, and then it's just water under the bridge because they won, and it doesn't matter. But it does feel like there's still a little bit of dysfunction with Rodgers and his head coach relationship. I would call it tension. Dysfunction is a little harsh, John. I would rather have dysfunction than tension. You think dysfunction is better than tension? Yes. Well, uh, with, Aaron, guys, Aaron Rodgers actually asked about it uh, after the game. He's just, uh, you know, as am I. We're, you know, a little animated at times. But um, I can't say it was, you know, we were yelling how much we love each other. But we definitely weren't MFing each other or anything. It was it was talking about the, the look there and, and you know. Get on the same page. So there you go. So they weren't MFing each other. That's always nice. I love a good MFing of somebody. I like to MF Sean sometimes. Um, what? Ryan does. Ryan likes to MF Sean. You guys uh, all like to MF me. I'm bullied. Uh, hard pass. All right. What else we got? Uh, 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 <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the Packers look awesome. It's good for them. Can't wait till uh, they screw it up. The Cowboys also look awesome. I would, if I could, if I could repick again, and I'd probably do it just for the page views, I'd pick the, the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. They handled the Redskins 31 to 21. Um, Zeke Elliott. You know what? Screw Zeke. I'm not going to talk about Zeke. It was all about Dak in this game. Check this out. Over the last 11 games, and this is from when the Cowboys made the, da- the Amari Cooper trade to right now. Dak Prescott is completing 73% of his passes, 285.6 yards per game, 8.2 yards per attempt, 21 touchdowns to five interceptions. Ryan, you're muted, so I don't know what you said, but I'm sure it was fascinating. No, I got chills, and I, I, I cursed because I was like, ooh. Oh. Um, Cowboys scored on five straight possessions <laughs> final drive where they ran out the clock. Uh, Dak was uh through his first career interception seven starts against the uh, Redskins he completed 86.7% of his passes Jason Witten caught a touchdown um right now Dak is tops in the league ahead of Patrick Mahomes in yards per attempt at 10.9 my goodness what do we think about Dak Prescott Ryan very happy to, about Dak Prescott he's on my fantasy team so I'm proud about that uh and this team as you're alluding to is the best team in the NFC East and 
NFC. It's hard. Ooh, it's hard to pick them to win the division for two words, Jason Garrett. But there are two other words that make me feel a lot better about this team, Kellen Moore. Yeah. Um, so it, it's great news for our buddy Jared Dubin, who we work with, who's a huge Cowboys homer. And um, it's finally nice to see him tweeting happy things during Cowboys games and, and not tweeting angrily. And uh, if you're the Redskins, a team that's sort of secretly flying under the radar is truly terrible because of the Miami Dolphins. I don't know where you go from here. I don't know what you do. Adrian Peterson didn't play in the first week, so they made a big deal about him playing this week because Darius Geis is hurt. Ten carries, 25 yards. I don't think he magically fixed their season. And I just start to wonder about what's going to happen with Jay Gruden and when. I wouldn't put Dwayne Haskins, the rookie first-rounder, out there anytime soon. And uh, he rolls what you got. And I don't know if they should go into tank mode or not, but they're they're not a good football team. I will say also, the play of the game for me, I didn't see the entire game, was Dak Prescott stiff-arming Josh Norman into oblivion. I truly enjoyed watching that. <laughs> uh, by the way, the uh, this game, 31-21 final, Case Keenum threw a touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin for one yard with two minutes and 20 seconds to go with the Redskins trailing by 17 points. It wasn't as close as the score indicates. The The Redskins got were, were frisky a little bit early, and then the Cowboys just imposed their will. And now the Cowboys, by the way, 20-and-a-half-point favorites in week three against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Sean, if you knew that you had to make a wager on that game and your life depended on it, like, if you're wrong, you die. Would you take the Cowboys minus 20 and a half or the Dolphins plus 20 and a half? I would take the Cowboys. Ooh, you chose poorly because... Sean, let me tell you why you're going to die. No, no, wait, wait. First of all, Since no, no one knows it poorly. Since oh. 1985, there have been 11 teams favored by 20 or more points. Technically, they have technically, gone... technically what? it's 1978, if you want to do well, it. Well, I'm doing the stats for the early odds post I write. That's cool. You saw me tweet it out. Keep going. This My post is, is already written. The story's already written, Brinson. Anyway, two and nine against the spread. Yep. Okay, uh, everyone spent this entire week talking about how the Patriots win it beat the Dolphins by the spread or whatever, and look what just happened. It was a conspiracy theory part, though. That's what threw the monkey wrench in that. Right, you have to get you have to get a Ryan Fitzpatrick tattoo. No, no, stop it. I did <laughs> one stupid tattoo, but it doesn't mean I'm going to open myself up. For every single week, I'm going to make a tattoo. Listen, That's the only way I guarantee myself to get one you're, tattoo. You're, you're getting a tattoo before the end of the season. I'm going to if you're getting an Andy Dalton tattoo, why do you care if you get a Ryan Fitzpatrick tattoo? You're true. At that point, you know, I might as well commit to the bit and just get every terrible quarterback on my back. If you get a, if you get a Ryan Fitzpatrick tattoo, we'll cancel the Andy Dalton bet. I mean... That's not a win. That's no, a because I I like my odds better on the Andy Dalton bed. But that said, I would rather have a Ryan Fitzpatrick tattoo uh, you with a like, big beard. I could convince it was like some like pirate or like some like man of the sea, you know, with that beard. Oh, that yeah. That'd be a cooler thing to tell girls. Oh, it's a pirate. I got a pirate tattoo. <laughs> it's a man of the sea tattoo. It's very cool. Very cool. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's a man of the sea tattoo. Yeah, I'm so, a bad uh, person. If Sean – is going to bars wearing a bandana and a peg. Like, what, what's he talking to these girls like? In the <laughs> you you want to like? come back and see my pet parrot? Um, no, uh, you got to do like the arg. Arr, arr, would you like to go to a brand new concert with me? <laughs> Swipe uh, right. Debo's like, please keep moving. We have four games left. Uh, Bills beat the uh, Giants at MetLife. I mean, the Giants suck. They suck hard. They are terrible. Their offense stinks. Their defense stinks. Why haven't they gone to Daniel Jones yet? That's a great question. It doesn't make any sense. Like, what is literally 
the only reason why you wouldn't be playing him because you think Eli Manning can win you games because the team's better with Eli Manning. Those are the only two reasons you would keep playing Eli, and neither of them are true. So you just throw Daniel Jones in there. Saquon Barkley did everything for that team today, and when he stopped producing, which happened after the first quarter, Giants went in the Ryan's toilet, and boom, Bills won 28-14. Yeah, 28-14, Barkley, 18 carries, 107 yards. Eli, Eli Manning threw 45 times. What, what are we doing here, people? What are we doing here? Uh, uh, his, uh, his leading receiver, uh, I'll, I'll get a tattoo of his leading receiver, Sean, if you can name. Don't look. Nah, don't look. If you can name who his leading receiver is, I'll, I'll, I'll get a Hannah tattoo of him. Hannah. Guys, okay, give me five seconds to think about who's on the depth chart there. They don't go on Tate. Benny Fowler. You're cheating. You looked. It right? was already open, by the way, when you brought up the game. Same. Hey, but by the way, uh, Janoris Jenkins, the cornerback, after the game, blamed the Giants' pass rush. <laughs> like, I got it. <laughs> real, real quick, I just got to say that Brinson said he would get a tattoo if I named it, and I named it, and he's not going to get the tattoo. So when Andy Dalton throws for 7,000 yards and I don't get the tattoo, this I said, is I said the precedent without, that I'm following right now. I said without looking. I said without looking. And Cole, here's, here's what Janoris Jenkins said. I can't cover <laughs> nobody for 10 seconds. So <laughs> and he, he ain't wrong. Fair point. <laughs> He's not wrong. Uh, Devin Singletary, six carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown. Josh Allen, the best running back in football, also ran a score in. And uh, Frank Gore, the ageless wonder, the inconvenient truth, 19 carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Cole Beasley paved the way for the uh, for the old uh, Bills with 83 catches. I thought Josh Allen looked pretty good. 83 off. catches? Uh, 83 yards on four. Especially catches. after being caught out by Pat Shermer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. He was. He was mocked by him. The uh, the Giants are terrible, and they should go to Daniel Jones. I don't know. What, what are we doing? Uh, the Bills are a playoff team, Ryan. Yep. Steelers aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, there's only going to be one team in the um, NFC, AFC North. Excuse me. We'll see what happens with the, with the we're Browns. Probably, we're probably looking at one team from the AFC North, one team from the AFC South, um, maybe two teams from the AFC West. Maybe. Uh, and if 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 you know if there's not if there's not three good teams in the AFC West, I think one of the I think the and, and Darnold's now toast. The Dolphins are terrible. The Bills have a have a wide open lane to make the playoffs. Two words for you, Sean McDermott. In your face. Are those good words or bad words? They're dunk words, words. Sean Wagner-McGuff. I actually, I, I will admit that I wasn't watching this game and I was ready to fire off a Josh Allen tweet, just something unrelated, and it was going to make fun of Josh Allen. And then I suddenly realized, well, you know what? I should probably check what's going on the Bills in the Bills game. And I looked and Josh Allen was like 19 to 30 to 250 yards with like eight yards per attempt. And I was like, delete, delete, delete. Can't tweet that, so... Uh, just so you folks know, Sean, Sean, if you, Sean, if you had to rank the Sean coaches' chances of making the playoffs, who's first, second, third out of McVay, Peyton, and McDermott? McVay one, McDermott two, Peyton oh, three. No, I, I actually think the – well, because of the Drew Brees injury. And I, I actually think the Bills are in a really good place. I don't, I'm not, I don't like the Bills, and I don't think Josh Allen's good. But I think they, they're 2-0. They still have two games against the Dolphins to go. And if the Bills win a Super Bowl this year, you have to get a Josh Allen tattoo. Oh, fair. Yeah. Yep. Fair. fair. No, no. Yeah, and you have done. to change your last name to Wagner McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too far, Breach. That's awesome. Down with that. No, you what you McDermott McGuff. <laughs> now, uh, but I do, I do think the Bills are in a really good spot. And at 2-0 and with the schedule, with two games against the Dolphins left, that's two free wins. They're yeah. going to sack wins. All right, what else? 
Well, and, and the Bills have a really good defense. I mean, like they're just yeah. a good team. They're going to stack. Uh, they're going to stack wins, guys. The Gardner Minshew train. Hey, I had a viral tweet about Gardner Minshew. Do you hear? By the way, you know a viral tweet about how the Jags were going to win by like forty. Jags by a million. You kind of dunked on yourself with that viral tweet. Nice. Boom. I don't think that's true. By the way, the well, Bills. That means you were a million and one points off, is what Sean was saying. Well, you dunked, <laughs> you dunked on yourself with the. Don't don't make the face of me. You dunked on yourself with the final score. It wasn't by a million. And number two, that picture was from last year's Alamo Bowl. I know that. I, I said that on CBS Sports HQ. Or Wait, was it, the sure picture not. wasn't even from? No, it was from last year. And he did not know that at the time he tweeted it. Oh, yeah. No one. I thought it was from. The, no. Oh, my goodness. Look at him. What a, a, a phony fraudulent. <laughs> You went viral with fake news. That's right. Fake news, Brinson. Oh my goodness! And that tweet's still up. You haven't issued a correction. Shameful. He's not taking that down. It is shameful. I didn't say he got on the got off the plane. There's a hundred percent chance you did not know that that tweet was not from yesterday. You were convinced. You tweeted out immediately. You saw people calling you out, and you just tried to play it off and say, "Oh no, no, I knew that." That's the classic. Shoot first, ask questions later, and all your questions. Are wrong. That is my favorite Ryan moment, I think, in the history of the podcast. Pulling a well, actually, on Mister Will, actually. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, actually, the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew nearly pulled it up, said to the Texans. Some guy was like, "Nice pick on the Jaguars, loser." I was like, "I picked him to cover in the Texans to win." That's exactly what happened. You, you picked him by a million. That, that was a. It's just a off a photo from from not even this year. <laughs> <laughs> Dunked. So, uh, did you guys see the picture I put in Slack for us to talk about? Do you know what happened on the Jaguar sideline? Because three players, defensive players, looked like they were about to throttle Doug Marone after something yeah, he said to them. Including Jalen Ramsey. So, usually breaches are on the sideline pop culture reporter, and that seems like something he would know about. But I don't know what happened. I just thought it was telling that this defense. Yes, I wrote the story on that, Wilson, as you probably guessed. What, okay, what did you find out? So, apparently what happened is that this is late first quarter, just under two minutes left, and Jalen Ramsey was just going nuts as he was walking off the field on the sideline. This is before the Marone thing with the players where Marone had to be pulled away. And it turns out that apparently, and we don't know for a fact because he wasn't really commenting on it, he was mad because he thought he was going to be covering DeAndre Hopkins the whole game, one-on-one, man-to-man. Most teams don't do that, but Jalen Ramsey's one of the few corners that can. And apparently on the Texans' drive before Ramsey came off the field – they said, yo, man, we're, we're switching that up. You're not just covering them one-on-one. And at that point, I think Hopkins only had like two catches for nine yards, something not good. And Ramsey just got upset. So he's jawing at everyone on the sideline. Then he goes and sits on the bench. Marone tries to go over and talk to him. I'm assuming Marone was trying to explain why his defensive game plan was going to make sense and why Jalen should just agree to it because, hey, you're a player, and the coach came up with the game plan. And then that's when the other two players like, yo, man, you can't talk to Jalen. And they pulled him away. And it, it was nuts. So if Jalen Ramsey gets traded tomorrow morning, it is because he wants no part of Doug Marone's game plans. Uh, Doug, Does John still think Doug the Jaguars are going to win the division? Are you rubbing that in my face that I have the Jets? I give up. I two. I said I wouldn't give up after one week, after two weeks. You even know, Garden Minshew looked impressive. And honestly, the Jags would have won that game if J.J. Watt didn't come up with a huge fumble recovery after Whitney Mercola strip sack. Uh, but you take that play out, and the Jags were actually arguably the better team. Uh, the Jaguars are the eighth team since 2008 to go for two when trailing by one in the final 30 seconds of a game, and only three. Actually, I guess 
the Broncos, no, because the Broncos is after outside of 30 seconds. Um, and only three of those conversions were successful. It's pretty telling about your season when you're Doug Marone, you go down there and you're like, bleep it, we're going for two, right? Like, you know, you're, you know, you're desperate. You know that the, the Texans are probably a better team overall. Uh, 31 seconds left in that Broncos game when they did it. So actually it was very close. Um, and, uh, Gardner Minshew, they took it out of Gardner Minshew's hands. They gave it to, uh, Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette dove for the pylon and he came up, uh, he came up just short. Minshew finished 23 of 33 for 213 yards and a touchdown. But did he come up just short? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, Duke Johnson was not used a whole lot. Dadger Hopkins was not used a whole lot. And the defense played a great game against Deshaun Watson, 16 of 29 for 159 yards. And the defense did their job. They held the Texans at 13 points and the offense couldn't muster more than 12. That's a tough loss for the Jaguars who are now 0-2 and uh, probably the worst team in that division. Who lasts longer? Um, John mentioned Ramsey. He might get traded soon, but Marone or Ramsey? Uh, Marone's first coach fired for sure if the Jaguars keep losing. They're going to keep losing. <laughs> they probably are. I thought Minshew did pretty well. By the way, my Aunt Susan, shout out to Aunt Susan, uh, sent me a text. It was like she got invited to a Facebook group. Uh, she lives in Jacksonville. It was uh, Cougar Moms for Minshew. Oh, I thought you were going to say she got invited to the Pick I, Six. I started. Podcast. I thought that was a setup for the Pick Six Facebook group, which everyone should go join. I thought you were going to say you mailed her Sean's dad's shirt. Uh, no, it was a setup for the Pick Six podcast Facebook. Breach. Group. My dad sometimes listens to this, and now you just ruined what the delayed birthday present is. He was never getting it, Sean. Jaguars have the Titans at home, then they're at the Broncos, at the Panthers, and the Saints at home. Ay ay ay. That is a problem for them. Uh, staying in the division, the Indianapolis Colts and Jacoby Brissett held off the Tennessee Titans 19 to 17. No thanks to Breach, one Mr. Adam Vinatieri. Have you already written your, his career? It sounds like, I believe, he's going to retire and walk away from football. Vinatieri's an awesome guy. I interviewed him at the Super Bowl. Really nice fella. Likes to hunt out in his farm. Said we could come out and hang out one time, and uh, we didn't do it. John but, hung out with Vinatieri much longer than you did because I was there taking photographs, so don't yeah, try to watch Yeah, because yeah, John's like, uh, my dad's a kicker. And uh, and then they're like, oh, that's so cool, bro. Like, oh, man, I remember you were running around like a little kid. And he's like, I, my dad's not really a kicker. I've been lying to you. I'm just a psychopath. <laughs> and then they talk to me. Man, this was a sad day because, look, I tweeted out after he missed his very first extra point, I said – I would not be surprised if he retires because you're 46. There are so many issues. Once you're, once you get the yips at that age, you see it in golf where people just start shanking everything. And it's not that he's shanking his kicks aren't missing by a lot, but you start watching the film. You've seen everything. You've done everything when it comes to kicking technique and you're that age. You can't figure out why it's missing. You can't fix it. It's just something you just say, you know what? I've done everything I can do in football and there's no reason I'm hurting the team. I mean, they would have beat the Chargers last week if Vinatieri didn't miss kicks. They almost lost this game because of his missed kicks. And when you start costing your team games, that's when you know it's time to hang it up. So by the time people listen to this on Monday, there is a very real chance. No, he's, have re- he's done. He's done. He told Yeah, he, he refused to talk. Yeah, go ahead. He told Stephen Holder of the of the Athletic, he said, um, you'll hear from me tomorrow. And he said, we, we don't talk to you tomorrow. You don't have a media thing. He goes, yeah, you will. In other words, like he's going to come in and – Tell the Colts that he's got to walk away. His last three games, including the AFC wildcard game, week one and week two, he is one for four on field goals and three for seven on extra points. Is that good? Brinson, that is not good. Um, and he missed two extra points just in this game, in a game the Colts won by two. So it's just been a struggle for him. And 
it is weird because he is literally the oldest person in the NFL. He's been playing since 1996. He's hit huge kicks that we all know about, the snow kick against the Raiders, two Super Bowl winners. Uh, and for the Colts, like if you would have asked a Colts fan, if you would have told a Colts fan on August 1st that Andrew Luck and Adam Vinatieri were going to retire within three weeks of each other before week three, what kind of look do you think they would have given you? Like headbutted you because you were so crazy? Head, that's not a look. A headbutt is not a look. <laughs> it can be. Headbutt is or a they fun. took the flux capacitor that Ryan Bennett after he fell off his toilet and you got hits, in a time machine? Yeah, they hit you with Ryan's toilet. Like, what are you doing, Biff Tannen? Get out of here. Uh, so it's insane what the Colts have gone through. And the fact that they're one and one, they're still very much in this division. They just beat the NFC or AFC South team that looked the best in week one after the Titans trounced the Browns. They absolutely shut down Tennessee. And here's the thing. I just want to jump on the Titans real quick. They signed Adam Humphreys to a huge deal. He's done nothing. The offense looked okay against the Browns, is mostly because Baker Mayfield threw three picks and melted down the fourth quarter last week. The Titans just looked atrocious today. So I don't have any idea if they're any good, but I do think the Colts are good. And I think once they get over all these obstacles that keep being thrown at them, like Lux retirement, Vinatieri missing every kick he tries, once they get through that, I think they're going to be good. By the way, shout out to the Steelers. Because they ruined our parlay in the uh, the picks podcast. We had the Giants under, the Broncos plus two and a half, and the Patriots under. The Steelers ruined it. I was thinking that the uh, the Chargers might have ruined it, or the, we might have the Lions on the money line. That's the last game to talk about before we get out of here. Phillip Rivers <sighs> threw a back-breaking, brutal pick into double coverage late in that game to seal it and give Detroit a 13-10 to win. Matt Patricia tried his best to urinate down his leg, but he could not get away with it. And uh, Philip Rivers peed on himself more back. And the uh, Lions won 13-10 to in a, just a bleh game that uh, featured a, one incredible toss down the field from Matthew Stafford to Kenny Galladay to put the Lions up. Um, Austin Eckler is a boss. This guy is playing his ass off this season. What Seven. do you think Melvin Gordon did, to, did on Sunday? I think he kicked back and smiled and played some uh, the Chargers are probably hoping he practiced field goals because that's the only way he's getting on the field for that team. <laughs> nice. I mean, what are the Chargers doing? They got their punter. It's like it's not like this is week like nine and your kicker like got hurt accidentally warming up. Like you've had your kicker's been hurt since the start of the season, and you're not even going to go out there and look for something. And now the Colts, a team that you almost lost to, except their kicker sucks, is going to be out there looking for a new kicker too. So you got to go find. I mean, what what are the Chargers doing? What is this team's problem? I hate this stupid team, and I'm so glad I didn't pick them to win this stupid division. God, I hate this team. And let me just say There's, real quick. It made no sense to have your punter be the kicker. There's a reason this does not work in the NFL. The last team to try it to start the season, like barring injury, middle of the season. The last team to go week one with a punter as their kicker was the Atlanta Falcons in 2006. Same thing happened. They made it two weeks. Their punter, who was also kicking, only made 50% of his kicks, went three of six. Boom. He got pulled. They went out and got an actual kicker. And that's what the Chargers are going to do because they made this dumb decision. They should be 2-0. and but their punter kicker missed two field goals, so they deserve everything that they're getting for putting a punter at kicker. Punters it's a, don't kickers. It's called a picker, but it's not called the other. It's not called the other. It's not called the other. <laughs> Kenny Galladay quasi breakout game, by the way. Eight eight catches on quasi. two targets. That's definitely a breakout game. He's awesome. Yeah, he was on Sean's fantasy team last year, and he dominated me every time. I like. I don't even remember that, but Ryan remembers that because he probably went off against... I knew I had Robert Woods because you complained about him every single time I faced you. Johnson, uh, Matthew Stafford looks like he might be fantasy relevant again. Am I crazy? With Ben and ben and Breeze out and 
Maybe Carson Wentz banged up. I think Stafford's a guy you could start. Rivers had a big game, but no touchdowns, one interception. The Chargers, a bunch of losers. They're a bunch of losers. They're one and one. Settle down. I feel like there's a lot of bad football teams. They're not winning anything. They can make the playoffs as a wild card team. They're in that Bills like conversation for the not with the Bills. Broncos, baby. What? Broncos can Broncos are their own too, but I mean they can (laughs) make it. Uh, anyway, let's. Go. That was a weekend. There, of the there are eleven teams that are still unbeaten. <laughs> in my mind, they're one and one. I like already like. You forgot they lost to the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, Sean, so who are the own two teams that will make the playoffs? Uh, well, you will find about it. Find out about it this week when I write an article that will be running on uh, Wednesday. As I informed you via text, well, I'm, actually, I, I mean, we don't even hash this out over the podcast. Can you just figure it out? Because it's on budget as me, and I, I just want to know if I'm going to write it or not. I emailed our editor and said that. Uh, okay, but he sent out budget tonight. Yeah, I, I replied and said I'm doing it. He said he blamed you and said you didn't tell him that. And I was like, I don't know. I would say Sean doesn't care about anything. Um, anyway, we'll do our uh, own two teams. You know what this ends is that none of us writes it because we probably both think the other person's writing it. I'm writing it. Okay, I'm not writing it then. Again, I'm saying I'm writing it. <laughs> One forty-nine in the morning. Um, anything else to add from this week, guys? Breach, I know Breach is sitting on a little nugget. If you, got, if, you got, um, if you got a nugget to extend Ryan's hellscape, that'd be great. I've got nothing except that the Browns play t- tonight, and I hope they win because next week they play the Rams and Sean McVay, and Sean McVay's never lost to an AFC team. He's 8-0. That's a great nugget. That could still happen even if the Browns lose tonight. Well, I know, but if they lose on Monday night, then they are 0-2, and, and then they're playing McVay and falling to 0-3. That, that's why they don't want to lose on Monday night, Sean. So if they lose on Monday night, they have a better chance of losing next week? What is no, the, I'm saying they're losing next week no matter what, so they better win Monday All right, night. I, I, I want to get out of here as much as Ryan. What is, what is the opposite of a fun fact? Because that's what that was. Um, Sean, John's, John's was fun. Sean. I didn't offer a fact. Exactly. Sean's ruining my fact. That's what happened. Yes. Yeah. This I'm is calling into question. This is a logical fallacy going on. We got to get out of here. This is why you can't have fun facts. Because you even took a fun fact that Breach brought to the table. I'm pointing out made, why it's not. And made it less fun. I don't understand how. Okay. I don't want to get into this. I'm with Ryan. That's right. You can't ever have another fun fact in your life, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, Sean. Uh, for Ryan. I'm going to come with some fire tomorrow night. Just, just yeah. wait for it. Hey, fun facts will be flying all over the place. He's going to be like, Sean McVay went 8-0 against AFC. Fun we'll get facts. Google Jet oh. trivia. Speaking of the Jets and Sam Darnold, maybe we'll save it till after the Monday podcast. Did you guys hear uh, a little Monday Night Football or a little uh, Good Morning Football shout-out on uh, yours truly? Do you have mono? No. You, you about all my, my make-out skills? You hear about that? Oh, yeah. No. Does this relate to you calling yourself daddy? No, it does not. Please stop saying the word daddy. You, it's a, a little high thing. Okay. Let's get out of here. Uh, we'll talk daddy to you. in the podcast. Oh, my God. We'll talk daddy. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hyundai. 